Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. This Sunday, we begin a new sermon series titled Questions of Faith. And on this particular Sunday, our question that we'll consider is, is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible reliable? And so we want to talk about the Word, this Word of God that gives light and life to the world. And I want to do a couple things this Sunday. One, I want to talk about the various kinds of literature that are in the Bible. And then I want to talk about the various ways that we can look at that literature, how we can interpret it. When people ask me this question, is the Bible reliable? Often what folks are saying is, you know, I'm reading through it and I don't quite understand it all. It, it doesn't always line up even within itself. Uh, sometimes I feel like what the Bible is saying is so very different than the cultural norms and the interpretive norms around me. And so again, what I hope that we can do today is understand a little bit more about the biblical literature and how it's constructed, how it's formed, and then how we can think of interpreting that literature. All right, we're back to the whiteboard again. I think some people were concerned that the whiteboard would be going away, but I think this is actually going to be helpful as we talk about these seven different types of literature that we find uh, in the Bible. So the first that I want to lift up is biography and narrative. Biography and narrative. Now, sometimes this uh, is meant to simply tell us what people did and what people didn't do. What people did and what people didn't do. It's not meant to always tell us what's right or wrong. Sometimes it's just telling the story. And then yet, in other times, it's more polemic. It's really uh, a, a story that has a moral attached to it. About 40% of the Bible, it's estimated that about 40% of the Bible is in this biography and narrative section here. So then legal code. And in legal code, there's civil, constitutional, 
and criminal. But another way of thinking about this is that this is about holiness. So civil. Uh, civil code is often seen, say, in the, as people are moving through the wilderness. So these are, some have said this is, these are, these are camping rules. 40 years of moving through the wilderness. Uh, so think about the Ten Commandments and think about camping. Oh, um, honor your father and mother here. Honor your parents. Um, don't steal from your neighbor. Don't take stuff from your siblings around here. And though you might be at your sibling's throat, thou shalt not kill. All right. This is, these, are, these are laws that will help govern our civil life. Then there's constitutional. How do you establish Israel as a nation? Things like that. And then criminal or holiness. So these are things around, um, so if, if there has been uh, some criminal activity or, or something that is sinful, you've transgressed formal law, how do you atone for it? Um, the, the sacrifices are, that are, are made, um, the confessions that are made. And this is why I also say it's about holiness. So how do you establish a, a holy people through atonement, through priestly work? All right, that's legal. Okay, so then the third is wisdom literature. You know, wisdom, you think about the Song of Songs, you think about the Book of Proverbs, you think about Ecclesiastes. Uh, in some cases, these are short, kind of pithy uh, wisdom like you find in, in Proverbs. And other times, they're longer uh, narratives like you find in uh, Ecclesiastes, but all meant to move you toward wisdom. So then we have poetry and prophecy. Poetry and prophecy. These are very image-based and, uh, and sometimes satirical. So when you think about the poetry of the Bible, it's uh, you see a lot of poetry in the, in the book of Psalms. And certainly in the prophetic books of the Bible, um, you see quite a bit of, of prophecy. All of it very poetic, all of it very image-based. Uh, not all of it can be taken strictly uh, literally. And then we have um, apocalyptic. Put this close to poetry here because you're also talking about symbols. Um, often we think about the book of Revelation. Um, and so it's very symbolic. There's a whole lot that looks like the poetry and, and prophecy uh, in there, but it is very focused around the end times. Yeah, lamentation. Or lament. I'm not just talking about the book of lamentations. There are psalms of lament, or the, the book of Habakkuk is a lament. And <clears throat> just a little bit more word about lamentation. So often a lament begins with a whole list of laments from the people, but then they move and culminate into the point God is trying to make. And so it's helpful as you, you read things like 
a lament here. And if we just are reading it at face value, we might think, well, is, is all of this what God is saying? Often this is what we are saying, is different laments or what we are saying. But then it's going to move us toward something that, that God is saying. And the last thing I want to mention is the epistle. So epistles are um, often uh, corporate, they're personal, and pastoral. Now this episcopal, uh, epistles are often um, prescriptive. I mean, we think about the writings of, of Paul. And so there are certain prescriptions around the religious life. But even within this genre of biblical literature, uh, some of it is corporate prescriptions. Some are more personal prescriptions. And then there's certain pastoral language uh, that is offered. And so why do, I, why do I mention all of this, these seven different forms of literature that you find in the Bible? Well, we read each of these differently. Each of these forms of literature you're going to read differently. And so it's, it's not like I read all of this in the same way. It's not like I read poetry in the same way that I read narrative. This is why when so many people start out reading the Bible and say, I want to read the Bible cover to cover. And you get through Genesis. And then you get through Exodus. And you're like, yes, there are stories. There's so much narrative in here. I'm seeing various different episodes in the life of the people of faith. And it's exciting. But by the time you find yourself in places like Leviticus or, or Numbers, oh, wow, I'm really slowing down here. Well, because in certain cases you are... Uh, entering into different types of scripture and you, you've not necessarily readied yourself to the different kind of literature that you you find in there uh, so just the knowledge of their different types of literature help us to know we should be reading it differently and interpreting it differently as we seek the wisdom that God uh, may God wants to form in us as we read scripture and so now I want to move into a conversation about um, how the United Methodist Church encourages us to view Scripture and uh, how we might interpret Scripture on the ground. Now, the United Methodist Church has a book of discipline, and you can find a free version of the book of discipline on cokesbury.com and download it there, and it's searchable, so you can search for the things that I just mentioned briefly here in the message today. But in that book of discipline, at the beginning, there are four doctrinal standards that are mentioned. One is the Methodist Articles of Religion, um, the United, uh, Evangelical United Brethren Confession of Faith, that's the second, Wesley's Explanatory Notes Upon the New Testament, and then Wesley's Sermons. Those are the four doctrinal standards. And then beyond that section around doctrinal standards, there is a section called Our Theological Task that looks through and interprets the doctrinal standards and, and helps us to see how Wesleyans, as Wesleyan Methodists, we believe going about the task of theology. And it mentions several things about scripture, just a handful I wanna lift up here. 
One, it mentions that Scripture is the primary source and criterion for Christian doctrine. Of course, Scripture is the primary source and criterion for Christian doctrine. It notes that we properly read Scripture within the believing community informed by the tradition of that community. We read Scripture in community. It's not just a me, my Bible, and God kind of a thing, but it's us interpreting together and seeing what God says to us as a community. And it's that communal understanding that helps to sharpen and refine my individual understanding. And it affirms that we believe in scholastic or scholarly inquiry and personal insight guided by the Holy Spirit. So we believe in the scholarly study of Scripture. We believe that it's holy and it's faithful and that it matters and that we should attend to those scholarly voices. We also want to affirm the um, personal insights that God offers us as we read Scripture. And when you couple those two together, guided by the Holy Spirit, then we enter into uh, a greater understanding about Scripture. So that's, that's part of what the Methodist Church says. Now I want to offer just a few ideas that I hope are helpful about how we can interpret Scripture together. And one is this. As you read Scripture, note that sometimes it doesn't always say what you think it's saying. Now, what I hope to push back against is a, a literalist, flat-footed reading of Scripture. If you just take Scripture at face value, especially out of context, out of the context of the, the book of Scripture that you're talking about and out of the context of the scope of Scripture, sometimes it leads you to inaccurate conclusions. For instance, I heard a, a, a pastor say this once, as you read, the, as you read Genesis and you, and you see these, these fathers of the faith, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and you just look at their um, marital relationships and, and look how, uh, how male and female dynamics are there. If you have a, a flat-footed read, you'll see a, a very uh, patriarchal view. And you've also got polygamy. And so if you read it from a, just a very literalist way, you say, well, well both, are, both are fair. Both are scriptural. Well, then, when you step back and have a larger picture of it, you see how, um, how fraught these relationships really are and how God seeks to kind of upend those norms, um, leading to a much more open and egalitarian way of viewing things. So over and over again in Scripture, we see this. So if you read it just from a very narrow, literalist lens, sometimes you miss the bigger picture of what God is doing. Also, remember that we read Scripture with our own cultural blinders. We're people living in this century, reading Scriptures that were written thousands of years ago, and we've got our own cultural blinders. These scriptures were written thousands of years ago in different languages. 
And so now as we read today translations that seek to capture the picture well for us, and as we translate through the lens of culture, sometimes we don't exactly see what the people were trying to say when they wrote that scripture then. And so it's helpful to, again, step back, try to gain some understanding of what was going on in the midst of that culture when the scripture was written. And related to that, to understand that we need to examine our cultural assumptions and we need to examine our sense of cultural superiority or the superiority of our cultural moment as we read scripture. So one thing that we might find as being restrictive in our cultural moment here in this place, if we were to go today across the world into a different culture, they'd find that that's actually open and fair and inclusive and vice versa. Something that we find as being very open and fair and inclusive, another culture might find as being unfair or restrictive. So we've got to examine our own assumptions and examine the superiority of our, uh, or our sense of superiority around our cultural moment. There's a book that I'd highly encourage you to read. It's called How the Bible Actually Works by Peter Inns. And what Peter writes in this book, he reminds us that the Bible is about wisdom. And he's, he, he has said that rather than a book designed primarily to provide answers, the Bible is a book designed to cultivate wisdom, which is a lifelong process of maturing us into disciples who wander well along the unscripted path of faith in tuned to the presence of God along the way. I love that. It's a book of wisdom that's meant to help us walk well with God and walk well with others as we live into this life of faith. He goes on to say that the Bible is three things. The Bible is ambiguous, he says. It's ambiguous. It's really not clear about what we should do or think. Remember what we said about the narrative in Scripture. So when it comes to the details of our lives, sometimes um, the Bible is, is ambiguous. So we have to do work to cultivate wisdom. He also says the Bible is ancient. So we can't simply say we're going to read the Bible plain as is and, and just follow what it says. Again, that's a literalist reading of the Bible because so much of the Bible is deeply embedded in the ancient world, a world that we don't recognize or understand. And so it takes creative imagination then to interpret uh, the scriptures. And finally, he says the Bible is diverse. The Bible is diverse in that it, it's not, the writers of the Bible are not always univocal. They don't always uh, agree on uh, the same subject. And so we, we read these different perspectives. One professor of mine said, it's, it's like being at a, at a cocktail party. <laughs> and, and if you were to have um, Moses and Jeremiah over here with 
Paul over here and with um, Luke over here, and they're all having a conversation about a subject. Sometimes they would disagree. And so the task is to, to hear those different voices and hear from God and interact with God and interact with the community as we listen uh, to these different voices in Scripture to understand what God is calling us to do. What's the most faithful way to take a step forward as it relates to any given subject? And so the Bible is this diverse book. Is the Bible reliable? I'd say yes. The Bible contains everything we need for salvation, the church says. The Bible helps us to know what it means to love God and love neighbor. The Bible is meant to guide us as we seek to cultivate spiritual wisdom as we walk with God and others in this world. And so if we see the Bible as all those things, as we understand that this is the word that God is giving us, then yes, the Bible is absolutely reliable. If we have a flat-footed, literalist reading of the Bible, well, it's just, this text was not meant for that. But I deeply believe that this is a word that gives us life. And so my challenge to you is to read the Bible, to read it, to read it with others, um, to, to read it daily yourself. To find a small group that gathers around the Word together. To find a Sunday school class that gathers around Scripture together. Or to gather other people that you know and say, hey, we could do this together. Let's form a small group and then we'll call up to the, the church and ask what resources are available uh, to, to help us as we seek to um, read the Bible together. The challenge is fall in love with the reading of Scripture, knowing that it will change your life as it continues to change the life of the world. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this holy book that you have given us. We thank you for your word that is revealed through Scripture. I pray that each of us would continue to fall in love with it and to seek the spiritual wisdom that is contained in it so that we can know better what it means to love you and what it means to love others so that we can be lights to the world, a light that's not hidden under a basket, but one that can be seen um, by all. Lord, we thank you for being the light that has come into our lives to dispel the darkness in our souls, to dispel the darkness that is in the world. We lean on you, Lord. We draw close to you, asking that you would continue to be a light for us and for all who need it. In Christ's holy name, amen.
Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.